Well, let's dig into the scriptures, shall we? This morning, uh, we are beginning a new sermon series, and we just ended this eight-week series. <clears throat> excuse me. We just ended this eight-week series on healthiness and unhealthiness, all the different types of healthiness and unhealthiness. And during July, we like to give Pastor Ben a little bit of a break from preaching. And so for the rest of July, um, I'm going to be teaching this sermon series, Busy. And as I, uh, as I w- we were going into the summer, um, and as I've been watching our communities kind of get into this post-COVID world where there's still COVID around, uh, but now things are opening back up, I've, I was praying and asking the Spirit to um, lead me to what he wanted this congregation, this community to hear, uh, that he would lead me to the teachings of Jesus that would best inform what we wanted. And something came up as he was impressing upon me. And as I was looking out at uh, my colleagues, people my age with young kids, as I was looking out at the families of our church and the families in our communities, something occurred to me is that this summer, people are getting back involved in all sorts of things. They're getting back involved in sports and scouting and camps and those kinds of things. And it's almost like before COVID. Uh, it's like people are getting jumping right back into those things that they were doing before COVID. And the question that occurred to me is, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, just two years ago, before COVID ever happened, people were pretty stressed out, weren't they? And it, was like, it felt like people were really busy. And there were just so many things going on. People were, their kids were involved in two and three sports and other extracurricular activities. It just seemed like people were really busy. They were involved in these groups and those clubs and going to do that camping trip and these kinds of things. Like people were just always doing things. And then March hit last year and the world shut down. And no one did any of those things for several months. Everything stopped. And I remember Sarah and I, we would spend, you know, we would spend our evenings outside. And I remember this thing happened where all of a sudden I was seeing and meeting all of these neighbors that I had never met before. People I had never seen before were now walking on the sidewalk in front of my house and they live five houses down from me. And for the two years that we lived here before COVID hit, I had never seen them. We thought they were new neighbors, but they had been there for years. All of a sudden, when COVID hit, the world shut down. People were like outside taking walks with their family. And we got to meet a whole bunch of our neighbors We got to um, meet new people and get to know our neighbors in ways that we hadn't before. And then we enter into this new summer, and it's like this opportunity has presented itself to get involved in all of those things that we were doing before COVID. And the question occurred to me, do these people even want to do these things? Like, do you remember before COVID? People were really stressed out. And I thought, Does our community really want to be involved in all these things? Or do we feel like we have to be involved? Do we feel like we're forced to be involved? And so as the Spirit impressed that upon me, uh, I began to look at the words of Jesus and dwell on um, how he might address this. And that's where we're going now with this series on busyness and how we can find peace in what is inevitably busyness in our lives. Because we all have busyness And so what I want us to do is I want us to be equipped with the teachings of Jesus and how to find peace in this busyness, how to handle this busyness and what Jesus might have to say about that. And this was uh, one of the main passages that kept coming up as I was doing um, my study. It was this parable of the sower 
of the seed. And Jesus oftentimes taught in parables. These are short stories that are kind of metaphorical. Some of them have one-to-one, you know, correspondence. They're one thing equals one thing in real life. And some of them don't. This parable is nice because Jesus just tells us exactly what he means. He interprets it for us. So we really don't have to do a lot of the heavy lifting. But let's look at this parable. When a great crowd gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. Now in Luke chapter eight, this is when uh, Jesus is really, the, his ministry is heating up. He's really very, very popular. There are stories of Jesus trying to like escape people and trying to get out of these crowds and they just keep following him. This is one of those times. There's a great crowd that has gathered and people just from all sorts of towns have come to see him. He is right in the midst of his busiest time He's right in the heat of his own ministry, and he teaches this parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some of the seed fell on the path and was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and it grew. It produced a hundredfold. As he said this, he called out, let anyone with ears to hear, listen. So this is the parable. He says, generally people fall into these four different types of soil. He says this later. But there are four different types of soil, right? There's the path where there's no soil. The seed lands on the path, the birds come and eat it up. It doesn't ever plant, doesn't take root, doesn't sprout, nothing. Doesn't germinate. There's the rocky soil, and maybe some of you guys have seen this even on the Rock River, where you'll have the bluffs or the palisades, and you'll, uh, you'll see there some vegetation growing up out of the rocks. Well, you know the soil isn't very deep on that rocks. Very, very thin soil might sit on that rock. And so a good strong wind or a big storm, and that vegetation is going to just fall right off, right? It doesn't take root. The third type of soil is this thorny soil, where... The seed is planted, it takes root, it begins to grow, but then there are these weeds that grow up beside the whatever vegetation it is and chokes it out. That it actually can't grow because of the weeds, the thorny weeds that are there. And then there's the good soil. That as the seed is planted into that soil, it grows and produces, and it produces a hundredfold. The nice thing is, Jesus interprets it for us. And this is what he says about these four soils. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So this is the story of God, that God has created the world, that the world is broken because of sin, and that he has rescued the world through Jesus. It's the word. It's the proclamation of the gospel. That is the seed. And the seed, the ones on the path, are those that have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. So there are some people out there who are going to hear the word, and they're just it's going to be no response. They're going to hear the word and it falls on deaf ears. The enemy immediately comes and takes it away and it never takes root. The ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe only for a while and in a time of testing fall away. So there are some people that receive the word of God, they believe And they say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And then as they go about their lives, the first hard thing that happens, the first uh, uh, hard thing where they start begin to question God and his goodness, immediately they fall away. They stop believing right away. 
as for what fell among the thorns, these are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So these cares and riches and pleasures choke out the word, but they do have roots. The word does grow, but life's complications just get in the way, and then it does not flourish. But as for the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patient endurance. So we have these four types of soil, and he says there are these four types of people. Those who hear the word, but it doesn't take root. Those who hear the word, but as soon as things get hard, they fall away. Those who hear the word, but then the cares of life crowd out the word of God in their life. And there are those of the good soil who hear the word and it takes root and they flourish into a great tree that produces fruit. Jesus is in the heat of his ministry. This is one of the busiest seasons of Jesus's life. And what you might have noticed, I don't know if you noticed, when I read this, I thought this was interesting, that this one, the thorny soil, he spends more time, more words, more clarification on this one than any of the other three. This is the one that he gives the most details, that it's choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. I think for most of us in this room and most of us in this small little Midwestern town, where uh, Midwestern communities, where many of us, even if we don't go to church now, grew up in church, many of us know the name of Jesus, we know the story of the gospel, I think most of us are this, the thorny soil. Most of us have heard the word of God. We believe the word of God. But the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life just seem to get in the way. So this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this thorny soil for a little bit. And Jesus addresses these three things, cares, riches, and pleasures. Cares are just general, this is, the, this is all the low-simmering, cares of every single one of us have. Jobs, family, dealing with our home life, you know, just those kinds of things. Just the general cares that all of us are going to have to deal with, that all of us have to have to deal with in our lives. There's the riches, and this is not like wealthiness. Riches is just a general term for money. So we all have to deal with money. We all, you know, have to pay rent or pay mortgage, save up for retirement, do all these things, right? We always are going to have to worry about money in our lives in order to take care of us and our family. And then the last one is the pleasures of life, which are like the comforts, like the good things, the cherry on top, all the nice things that we get to enjoy, the luxuries that we get to have in our life. Now, these three things that Jesus talks about, none of these things are bad. And he actually doesn't condemn any of these things. He doesn't condemn having cares. He doesn't condemn having riches. He doesn't condemn having pleasures of life. But he does give a warning that these are the things that can choke out the word of God. Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about these things that can choke out the word of God and how we can reverse these things and prune these things. Because here's the truth about our society right now. American society in the 21st century is obsessed with these three things. They're obsessed with the cares, they're obsessed with the riches, and they're obsessed with the pleasures of life. Obsessed with all the things, uh, house, family, car, 
whatever it is. They're obsessed with having money, more money, more security in retirement, and we're obsessed with the comforts of life. Because in our culture, activity, the cares specifically, activity and busyness is actually a status symbol. When we see people in our lives who have a lot of cares, a lot of things to worry about, a lot of things to do, we think that they are a valuable person. Surely, if they're busy, their time and their talents are extremely valuable. If their work needs them that bad, if their friends need them that bad, if their family needs them that bad, surely they are valuable person. If they need to be involved in these groups and those activities and that coaching and this thing and that thing, surely they have value. And so we give a status symbol over to those who are busy, to people who fill their schedules up with things to do. And we actually tend to look down on people who aren't busy, who don't fill up their schedules with things to do. Busyness in our culture is a status symbol. And, uh, I mean, studies have shown this, that we actually think more highly of people who work more hours. We think high, more highly of people who work more hours. And in some ways, this is warranted because if there's some correlation that we see in studies that those who work more hours get further on the career ladder. That when someone is a busy bee, when they are busy and active in their work, their bosses tend to notice that and they tend to get raises and they tend to get promotions and they tend to move up the corporate ladder. So we tend to see the people who end up higher on the corporate ladder, higher on the career ladder. They seem to be the ones who are the most busy, who work the most hours and who are the most active in their work. Also, there's a correlation between the amount of money made and how many hours people work. So in some ways, there's some kind of objective reason that we think busyness is good or busyness is a status symbol. But certainly in our culture, we see busy people and we think, wow, they're important. Even if it's subconscious, that's what we're thinking. Also, involvement in activities is a status symbol as well. I remember when I was in high school, um, there was this huge pressure. And those of you who have kids in school um, or, who have, or who have kids in college, I'm sure that you've witnessed this with your own kids, that there's this pressure to be involved in lots of sports and extracurriculars and to get lots of community service hours. Why? Because it looks good on your resume. And it looks good when you're trying to get that college acceptance letter. It looks good when you're trying to get that scholarship. And so we tend to fill up our kids' schedules with things because being busy, being active, is a status symbol. When our kids are involved in lots of things, we think that those kids are really with it, that they're really detailed, and that they can take care and juggle all these different balls. We, you do, we see this as a status symbol, and we, make, we think people are important when they're busy. Also, uh, if people who are busy, they seem to look a little bit better, look like they're a little bit more productive, but we know for a fact, I'm sure some of you know, that busyness is not productivity, right? When I got out of college, my wife and I, we got married the week after I graduated, and I took a job at a lumber yard and do it best hardware store. And I was working out in the yard and we were just doing that to make ends meet. We had this little, little one bedroom apartment that, you know, a little hole in the wall. Uh, and so we were making ends meet while she finished up school. And I worked at this lumber yard and we got this employee at one point, about halfway of my tenure there, we hired this guy. And this guy was really, really good at being busy 
without actually getting anything done. Do you know people like this? Really, like really worked hard, but didn't actually do anything productive. The most important thing that we were supposed to do at that lumber yard was make sure that our customers got what they needed. We were to help pick out lumber, we were to help them plan their projects and give them the lumber they needed to do their job. And this guy was really good at not dealing with customers. Like the most important thing we were supposed to do, he didn't do. He always had a broom in his hand. He was always busy reorganizing things without ever actually getting anything done. Do you know people like this? Have you worked with people like this? Busyness, as we know, is not always productivity. Busyness is not always a benefit. Sometimes busyness is simply busyness. But this busyness is not the only thing we have to worry about. Because we worry about being involved in activities, being, uh, getting our career to the place that we want it to be. But then we also have this 24-7 news cycle that constantly confronts us with things to be worried about and things to be appalled at. I mean, if you have a smartphone, you've probably gotten push notifications. You have not asked to get notifications, but Apple or Samsung or whoever has sent you notifications about things that are going on all over the world. And you think, here are all these extra things I have to worry about. We literally get it pushed to our phone. We get interrupted in our day, and we are faced with things in our world that we have no control over. And it just raises our anxiety level to have to deal with this tragedy in that country, this tragedy in that state, this tragedy halfway across the world. We are constantly hearing about these things. We have this 24-7 news cycle that never seems to stop, and it raises our anxiety and so not only are we busy, but now we're even more anxious. And now we're, we're also stressed about economics. Because as we watch the Dow go up and down throughout the day, we know that our 401ks are tied to those things. We're worried about safety, especially in a post-9-11 world where there's always this worry about terrorism and making sure that we are on guard and safe. And we are also stressed about culture and politics that is so divisive right now. All of these things begin to raise the level, and pretty soon we're like that frog in boiling water, right? It's just slowly, the temperature's slowly rising, and we don't realize that we're getting burned. We don't realize that we're getting boiled alive by all this anxiety and stress. We have concern about our career and up, more upward mobility. We're concerned about our finances, about the mortgages, our bloated mortgages, and our credit cards, and keeping up with our Neighbors, we have concern about our children, if you have children, succeeding in this life. So we want to get them involved early and doing as much as they can because we have guilt, because we see our colleagues doing this exact same thing, and we compare our child's development to their child's development, and we're always so concerned. And all of this just slowly raises this cultural anxiety, and before we know it, we're just stressed out. And the only thing we know to do is to push harder, work those extra hours, to try to get that bonus. Work those extra hours so you can pay off that car payment. Work those extra hours so you can do this or do that. Get involved in this thing because that looks good on your resume. Get involved in that thing because your kid might be able to get a scholarship. Just keep pushing, keep trying harder and harder and harder. And pretty soon, we're where we were two years ago, where we were all stressed out and very few of us were happy because we were just so busy. We're like this soil. Almost without trying, we're like this soil, where the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life 
just begin to choke out the word of God. Before we know it, we don't have enough time to pray with our family or by ourselves. We don't have enough time to hear the word of God or read the word of God. We don't have enough time to go to church. Before we know it, all of those places that God has given us to receive the word, all of those places God has given us to connect with him, we're just too busy. We can't afford the time. We are thinking about the next thing on our schedule. Think about the next thing on our to-do list. And it chokes out the word of God. And then here we are. We don't feel like we're flourishing. We feel like we are burnt out and tired and exhausted. That's where we were before COVID. In many ways, COVID made that worse. In some ways, it made it a little bit better because we couldn't get involved in as many things. But in some ways, it just raised that anxiety because of politics, because of the concern about safety. It just raised that anxiety. Then Jesus says this about the good soil. But as for the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patient endurance. The good soil is the soil that receives the word and then holds on to it with an honest and good heart. Uh, honesty is really important. Honesty is going to be really important for over the next couple of weeks when we talk about busyness because it's going to kind of hurt because we like being busy. We like the feeling of drama. We like the feeling of always having things to do. And honesty sometimes can hurt. And today, this is one of those times where it might sting a little bit. Because if we honestly think about all the things that occupy our time, really none of them are all that important, at least not supremely important. Because here's the deal, every single one of us in this room, me included, is someday going to die, and we are going to be put into the ground, and there's going to be a tombstone marking where we lay, and then four, five generations, we're going to be one tombstone in a sea of tombstones. Every single one of us in this room is going to die, and in four to five generations, we're not going to have a Wikipedia page about our life. We're not going to be in a history textbook. In fact, probably in five generations, our family's not even going to remember our name. That's what we have to face here. And when we go to the grave, we don't get to take our success with us. Five generations from now, no one's really going to care that we were the CEO of this thing. No one's really going to care that we got the $25,000 bonus that year. No one's really going to care that we got second in state in wrestling our sophomore year. Five generations from now, no one's going to remember those stories. That's the honest truth. And we all have to face that. <laughs> we all have to face that fact. And really, there's only one person who can solve that problem. There's only one person that can solve the problem of the fact that we are going to go to the grave someday and be forgotten. And that's Jesus. Because Jesus offers this promise. That although we may be forgotten here on earth, God will never forget us. He gives us the gift of eternal life. And he says, you can live with me forever in the new creation. 
you can be with me and my Father forever. You're going to die now, but I'm going to resurrect you. I'm going to glorify your body, and I'm going to usher you in to my kingdom, and you get to live forever with me. Jesus is really the only person who solves the problem that we all face. He's the only one who can offer us eternal life. Because what we don't get guaranteed a legacy here. We don't get guaranteed people know our names. But Jesus will never forget our name. He will never forget our love for him and our love for others. That's the honest truth. And then Jesus gives us this encouragement. If we receive the word of God and this honesty that I'm limited, that God is unlimited, if I hold on to it with an honest and good heart, then what happens? I bear fruit with patient endurance. I love that phrase, patient endurance. Those are two words I don't feel like I have enough of. Patient endurance. You see, as we read through the Gospels, and I encourage you, um, if you can this week, take some time to read through uh, one of the Gospels. Jesus had this way about him where he never seemed to be in a hurry to go anywhere. And Jesus, objectively, was wildly successful in his ministry. Like, preached to thousands. But he never seemed to be in a hurry anywhere. He never seemed to be anxious about anything. In fact, Jesus commanded his disciples and us to not worry. Isn't that something? Like, he gives us that command not to worry. There's this great uh, Christian writer named Dallas Willard. He wrote on, uh, very, very prolifically wrote on Christian character development, spiritual formation. And when he was asked, what is the one word that you would use to describe Jesus? He used the word relaxed. Relaxed. But Jesus never seemed to really be in a hurry. He was always okay with being interrupted by people. And he did amazing ministry in his work. Jesus offers us a gift. Patient endurance. A life that is unhurried, and unanxious. And guess what? We can still do all of those fun things that we like. We can still get involved in all those activities. We can be part of social clubs. We can be part of groups at our school. We can be part of athletics. But we can do it in a different way. Not anxious, not hurried, but we can do it simply because it is a gift from God. Something to be enjoyed something to be done well, and a tool to use to love God and to love others. So he actually gives us back these cares, these riches, and these pleasures in life, but now they don't choke us out. Now we're free from them. And we can use these things, we can engage in these things in an unhurried and unanxious way. We're going to take the next two weeks and we're going to look at exactly how we can do that how the the ways that Jesus has given us to live a life that is unhurried and unanxious, to live a life that is fruitful and abundant and full without being anxious about it, without being stressed. Because this is what he promises. When he says, do not worry, that's a command and a promise. Because he has us in his hand. He cares for us. He catches us as we slide down the rocks, right? Because we are firmly in his arms. And we are able to have patience with ourselves and with others. 
We're able to do the work that is in front of us without hurry, without worry. We can serve our neighbors as, uh, as scout leaders and as camp leaders and as coaches and as a friend. We can serve in our church and we can do all of this without anxiety. This is the promise of Jesus for us, that we can, in fact, have peace. There is a way to have peace in our busyness. He won't take our cares away. He won't take our riches away. He won't take our pleasures away. But there's a way to have peace in the midst of these things so we can receive the word of God and hold fast to it.